Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins welcoming you to Canadians in Old Time Radio. From our Made in Canada segment tonight, we have an episode of Mystery Theatre from 1967. Mystery Theatre. This week from Vancouver, The Duel by Alexandra Dumas. Adapted for radio by Howard Griffin. How do you define and measure that elusive quality of the human spirit we call courage? Consider, for example, the man who is called upon to face an opponent in a duel, knowing that only his skill and the chance trembling of his adversary's hand may save him from the grave. Lieutenant André de Montigny, for instance, had made a reputation for himself on the field of honor as a fearless and skillful duelist by the time he came to Quebec in 1759. Welcome back to Quebec, Lieutenant de Montigny. Thank you, Monsieur Brossard. This is a happy day for me. Speaking as a citizen, I feel safer with... Welcome back to Quebec, Lieutenant de Montigny. Thank you, Monsieur Brossard. This is a happy day for me. Speaking as a citizen, I feel safer with brave soldiers like yourself to strengthen the garrison against the English forces. And speaking as Marie's father, I'm pleased to see how happy your arrival has made my daughter. Frankly, uh, a lonely old widower is not fit company for a pretty young lady. <laughs> father, you speak much too much. If Marie has been lonely, I should... Uh, not that my little more. dove has lacked attention. Far from it, Lieutenant. Ah, oh, you should see the way that the father, young Father, please. Oh, has she been seeing No, my I have not been seeing anyone else since you were here last, André. Don't take Father's teasing too seriously. Yes, have no fears. Your little Marie has done little else but talk, talk, talk about nothing else but you. It's a good thing you've been transferred to the Quebec Arras. I'm ready to admit that I'm getting too old to play chaperone at social functions. <laughs> I consider myself lucky to have drawn the assignment. Oh, you should have seen the way the young blades flocked about her at the governor's ball last week. Which only proves that there is safety in numbers, Father. Yes, and that holds for the colony also. I'm convinced that the British will launch their assault very shortly, rather than endure a prolonged winter siege. <laughs> As a military man, Lieutenant, what do you think? 
the English are foolish enough to attempt a direct assault, we'll have a field day cutting them to ribbons below the citadel. When I doubt you've seen the extra cannon that were mounted in the past month, well, Quebec is now virtually impregnable. How can you be so confident, André? After looking through a telescope at the British fleet, I had a terrible succession of nightmares which... Oh, a brutal red-coated soldier pursued me from room to room. <laughs> well, during one dream, I screamed so loudly that poor father thought I was being murdered in my bed. <laughs> and how did you happen to view the British fleet through a telescope? Oh, uh, Lieutenant Valcour spirited it away one fine Sunday morning after Mass when we were visiting the fortifications. Lieutenant Valcour? Uh -huh. I don't think I know him, Mary. No, oh, probably not. He hasn't been here very long. More wine, Lieutenant? Uh, not just now, sir. Well, I'm afraid I must excuse myself. Business remains as brisk as ever. Uh, you'll be dining with us soon, I hope. With the greatest pleasure, sir. I am pleased to see you back here. Soldiers like you do a great deal for our morale. I'm half hoping that the English will continue their siege throughout the winter. It would be my assurance of remaining here on more or less permanent duty. Uh, who knows what tomorrow will bring. <laughs> Come to think of it, tomorrow is the 13th of September. Let's hope it will not bring misfortune in any form to anyone. And avoid black cats and ladders. <laughs> I'm not the least superstitious. Oh, then please do something for Marie. She sees bad omens in all sorts of things. Uh, but I'm late. Au revoir, Lieutenant. Good day, Monsieur Brassard. Will you drink my wine, André? I have no desire for it. Don't you feel well? Well enough. But I am worried. What about? Oh, so many things. The war for one, and you. Me? Yes, André. It's wonderful to have you here for, for more than just a leave, but... Oh. But what, my darling? I'm afraid. I'm afraid that something might happen to you. If the English do attack in force, things might go badly for us. <laughs> Nonsense, Marie. We have the advantage of them. After all, we are the ones sitting up here overlooking the St. Lawrence with hundreds of cannon. And General Montcalm is more than a match for Wolf. But you can't be sure, André. History is filled with accounts of military reversals. If anything happened to you, rather than be taken a prisoner, I would kill myself. Darling, darling, stop being an alarmist and an armchair general. I'll leave the war to the soldiers. That's what we're paid for. Concentrate instead on being pretty, charming, and affectionate. Oh, André, I love you so. Oh, oh André. Oh, oh, I am sorry it was clumsy of me. I'll see that it's replaced as soon as possible. But the glass doesn't matter, André. It, it's just, it's bad luck to break a glass given to you by the woman to whom you are betrothed. Oh, oh nonsense. If all the old wives' tales were to come true, there'd be no end to the trouble. Stuart, bring me more wine. That's the second wine glass Valcour has dropped in an hour. He's had more than enough. Come on, Valcour. You're holding up our game of cards. Ah, the devil take your cards, you far. I've lost too much this week. Stuart, bring me wine, blast you. Hurry up or I'll have you in the cells for a week. Al Gore has had more wine today than I drink in a week. Why the devil is he in such a foul mood? I believe it's his nature, Lebrun. And he's in love also, I understand. I thought that love was supposed to make a man gay and 
good nature. It depends on the circumstances. In Valcour's case, the lady is betrothed already, or so they say. Oh, do you know her? She is a Mademoiselle Brossard, daughter of a well-to-do merchant here in Quebec City. But Valcour, I'm told, didn't stand a chance against the other fellow. Here comes Major Prevost. Valcour had better pull himself together. He's been in the Major's bad books before. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. Major, do you care to join us in a friendly game of cards before dinner? Thank you, Captain LeBron. I feel in need of some distraction. Uh, but uh, sit down, gentlemen, sit down. Uh, good evening, Major. You care to share my flagon of wine? Thank you, Valcour, but I expect to have wine at dinner. I don't believe in overindulgence. <clears throat> uh, Major Provost. What is it, St. Pierre? Can you tell us, sir, without being indiscreet, what the Colonel has decided to do about filling the vacancy of Captain? <laughs> I suppose I can, considering it'll be posted on the bulletin board tomorrow. A new officer has been transferred from Montreal to fill the vacancy. His name is de Montigny. De Montigny? Do you know him? Oh, not personally, sir. But he is supposed to be uh, well-placed. I presume you have met him, Major? Oh, yes, Lebrun, at the Colonel's. And since de Montigny is very anxious to make your acquaintance, gentlemen, I have invited him to dine with us. Ah. So Someone remarked only today what a skillful duelist he's reputed to be. And with a fiery temper to match. Yes, they say he's quite fearless on the field of honor. Well, then he should be very well here, eh? A duel is a family affair with us. Monsieur de Montigny will be most welcome. But however quick his temper, he'll have to be careful of it before me or I shall take it upon myself to cool it. Apparently, de Montigny recently inherited an impressive sum of money from a rich old aunt. Ah, money. That's all a man needs to be a success in this life. Courage, devotion to duty, ability, all the manly qualities count for nothing with women when weighed against a sack of gold. Stuart, bring me more wine. Lieutenant Valcour, I suggest that you try some food for a change. Food, sir, if I may be permitted to say so, is not oh, what I Oh, that want. must be de Montigny crossing the room, Tortoise. Oh, yes, so it is. Uh, this way, de Montigny. Good evening, Major. Gentlemen, uh, come and join us. Uh, these are your new regimental comrades, Lieutenant de Montigny. Oh, or perhaps I should say Captain. <laughs> They're all good fellows and brave soldiers. I am Captain Vanny Lebrun. Welcome to Quebec. Thank you. I have long hoped to be stationed here, I can tell you. I am Lieutenant Jean Dufort. Congratulations on your appointment to Captain. Thank you. I'm Charles St. Pierre. I hope you'll like it here. I have no doubts on that score. And, uh... This is, um, Lieutenant Valcourt. Well, then you, Captain, must excuse me if I do not shake hands. It would be a calamity if I were to drop this wine flagon. Yes. A man should be able to hold his wine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gentlemen, I am proud and happy to have been transferred to your regiment. It was Major Provost who recommended me to the colonel. Ah, it was the easiest way to avoid treading on the feelings of my young lieutenants. Bringing in someone from another regiment removes any suggestion of favoritism. Have you located comfortable enough quarters, Captain de Montagnier? The city's very crowded these days. I'd be glad to assist you. Thank you very much, Lebrun. But, uh, Monsieur Brossard, a very generous friend, has offered me the use of a small cottage near his home. Hmm. I have my horses there, and an excellent cook, a very good library, a little garden, and a target. Hmm. I'm sure I shall be happy as a king. <laughs> you practice shooting? Yes, I do, Lieutenant Valcourt. It is my custom every morning to fire 12 rounds at the target. Oh, you're very fond of that amusement, then, huh? I don't understand the use of shooting unless it's to do battle or to hunt with. I think that you are wrong in calling it lost time to learn to shoot with a pistol. Well, well, you have been with the regiment only a few minutes, and already you are telling us what is what, huh? Pray go ahead and tell me why and how I am wrong. 
As you undoubtedly know, in military garrison life, an impudent word often leads to a meeting between comrades on the field of honor. In which case, he who is known for a good shot inspires respect among those indiscreet persons who amuse themselves by making foolish observations. <laughs> That's not much of a reason. In duels, as in everything else, something should be left a chance. I maintain my first opinion and say that an honorable man ought not to take too many precautions. And why shouldn't he? Do you play at cards? Occasionally. I will explain to you, and I will try to render my explanation clear so that all will understand it. Uh, everyone knows that there are certain card players who have an enviable knack while shuffling the pack thus of adroitly making themselves master of the winning card. Now, I see no difference myself between the man who robs his neighbor of his money and the one who robs him of his life. Oh, really, no. Oh, I do not say this to you in particular, Captain de Montigny. I speak in general, sir. It is too much as it is, monsieur. I beg Captain Lebrun to terminate this affair with you. Lebrun, you will not refuse me in this request. Uh, uh, Valcour has been drinking. I, I am sure he will apologize for his rash words. I apologize for nothing. Captain Lebrun, do you refuse to act for me? Of course not. So be it, Captain de Montigny. You have told me yourself you practice shooting every day while I hold a pistol and fire it only on the day I fight. We will equalize the chances. I'll settle the details with Captain Lebrun. Au revoir, gentlemen. Gentlemen, we must not allow such a fight to take place. De Montigny, you realize that Valcour has been drinking too much? Tomorrow I shall force him to apologize to Major, me. I am a newcomer among you. None of you really knows me. I have yet, as it were, to win my spurs. It is impossible for me to let this insult pass without fighting and what I have done to arouse the gentleman. But it is evident that he has some spite against me. Well, the truth of the matter is that Valcour is jealous of you. I happen to know that he's in love with Mademoiselle Brossard, and she has rejected his advances in favor of you. That explains a good deal, Lebrun. But I must still defend my reputation. Since Valcour has accepted you as my second, will you see him and arrange matters? Accept all his conditions... Then meet me and Major Provost at my quarters. If you really intend to go through with this duel, I'd better attend to it immediately before General Montcalm gets wind of it. Till later, Major. I would prevent it, but I, I know that Valcour is hot-headed enough to find a way regardless. And you also seem to have quite a temper, De Montigny. Will you let us know the hour of combat, Captain? Certainly. Come and bid farewell. Here are my conditions for the duel, Captain Lebrun. These two sabers are to be planted at a distance of one pace apart. Only one pace apart? Precisely. Lieutenant de Montigny and I shall face one another, each standing behind one of the sabers. Each opponent is to extend his arm at full length and fire at the word three. You must be mad, Valcour. Mad? Major... <laughs> Tire yourself with so much pacing. I am restless, De Montigny. I feel like a caged animal. Now, this is an excellent volume of Hogarth engravings. Are you familiar with his work? An Englishman? 
Must one carry national prejudice into the field of art as well as the field of battle? I know nothing about art, only artillery. God knows we could do with more of it. Cannon, I mean, not books. Ah, Lebrun. Uh, I'm sorry to be late. It was unavoidable. I had the very devil of an argument with Valcour. His conditions are fantastic. What are they? He insists that both opponents stand behind sabers planted one pace apart, facing one another, arms raised at full length. They both fire at the count of three. Preposterous. He must be drunker than I thought he was. Valcour is absolutely serious, sir. However, and this is the strange part of it, only one pistol will be loaded. Most unusual conditions. Valcour insists that this way he won't be a victim for you, but an adversary. He maintains that all your skill with the pistol will amount to nothing. You should have told the fool you couldn't accept such unheard of conditions. I protested, Major, that Valcour is adamant on that point. Either Captain de Montigny fights as he proposes, or he will not fight at all. But in that case, Valcour said he would prove that de Montigny is brave only when sure of his own safety, guaranteed by his skill of acquired marksmanship. Uh, I don't like it. But de Montigny did tell me to accept any conditions he might stipulate. Yes, you did the correct thing, Lebrun. I had a feeling Valcour might devise something out of the ordinary. Still don't like it. Come in. Mademoiselle. Marie. What are you doing here? What am I doing here, André? Is it you who ask me when this night is perhaps the last of your life? Why am I here? To plead with you not to risk your life. Who told you about the duel? News travels quickly among the servants in Quebec. And uh, General Montcalm is sure to hear of it. In that case, sir, it might be wise if we were to make ourselves scarce until the appointed time. No, André, you mustn't risk your life. Come, Brown, we had better leave. Oh, stay, gentlemen. Perhaps you may be able to help me in what I am about to say. Please, Marie, don't make it difficult for me. I implore you, André, do not fight this duel with Paul Valcour. You can't end two lives by this useless act. What do you mean? Remember what I told you would happen to me if ill befell you. Our lives belong to each other now, André. Do you hear? You can't do it. In the name of heaven, don't torture me this way. Can I refuse to fight? I shall be dishonored, lost. If I could do so cowardly an act, shame would kill me more surely than Valcour's pistol. Major Provost, you are esteemed in the regiment as a man of honor. You can then judge about affairs of honor. Oh, have pity on me, sir, and tell André he can refuse such a duel as this. Yes, but... Make him understand it is not a duel but an assassination. Oh, speak to him, Major. If he won't listen to me, he will to you. Marie, what do you know about the conditions of the encounter? I hesitated at the door before entering and overheard Captain Lebrun explaining them. Oh, please, Major, I beg of you to interpose. Mademoiselle, or must I... I go straight to General Montcalm himself? You wouldn't dare. To spare you any sorrow, Mademoiselle, I would willingly lay down my life. But to counsel Captain de Montigny to be unworthy of his uniform by refusing this duel is impossible. Each adversary, your betrothed as well as Valcour, has a right to propose his conditions. Then André should propose new conditions. But whatever the conditions, he's in circumstances which render this duel absolutely necessary. He's known as a skillful duelist. To refuse Valcour's conditions will be an admission that he counts upon his skill. Please, Marie, 
You don't know what you demand. Do you wish me to fall so low that you yourself would be ashamed of me? I ask you, are you capable of loving a dishonored man? You are right, Andre. It is not I who would love you less, but you who would hate me more. We must resign ourselves to our fate. Perhaps we shall never see each other again. Gentlemen, the time approaches. We'd better both retire. I have several letters to write before dawn. At five, we must be at the rendezvous. Oh, let me stay with you till then, Andre. I promise not to make any more protests. I'll sit by quietly while you write your letters. Very well. But you must not be upset. To leisure, then. Au revoir, mademoiselle. After you. Ground mist this morning has a penetrating chill. It would take more than that to dampen our duelists. I have a premonition that one of them will not see the sun rise. Do you think that de Montigny may take offense because I have agreed to serve as Valcour's second? Oh, it's hardly likely. Oh, there's Valcour tethering his horse by the bridge. The others are approaching from the opposite direction. Good morning, gentlemen. I trust I have not kept you waiting unduly. Time passes all too quickly on a day like this. Quite so. Did you sleep well, Captain de Montigny? I always sleep well. Are you ready, Valco? Yes. Then let us proceed without delay. Who gives the word to fire, Captain Lebron? Uh, we gave no thought to that detail. Do you have any preferences, de Montigny? Major Provost, will you render this service? Very well. Be good enough to indicate our places. And load, if you please. Well, that will not be necessary. One of the pistols in this case is loaded, the other is not. You know which is which, Falcourt. Well, what does it matter, Major? Captain de Montigny will choose. It is well. Let us get on with it. Yeah, make your choice, de Montigny. Dufour, kindly plant these two sabers in the ground one pace apart. I don't understand it. You will be holding the pistols only six inches from each other's hearts. Precisely. Gentlemen... Take your positions. De Montigny seems remarkably calm and self-possessed. Cour appears uneasy. Look at his eyes. I don't like it, sir. We may have something up his sleeve. Unfortunately, the conditions were accepted. Are you ready, gentlemen? Ready, sir. Yes, ready. Raise your pistols. Fire at the count of three. One. Two, three. <gasps> de Montigny chose the unloaded pistol. Fire, Valcour. It is not for you to command, de Montigny. It is I who must decide whether to fire or not. And that depends on how you answer what I am about to say. Speak, then. But in the name of heaven, speak quickly. Well, look, I haven't come here to kill you, de Montigny. I have come with the carelessness of a man to whom life holds nothing. It has kept none of the promise that is made to him. You are rich, you are beloved, you have a promising future before you. Life must be dear to you, but fate decided against you. It is you who must die and not I. Well, Captain de Montigny, give me your word not to be so prompt in the future to fight duels, and I will not fire this pistol. I have not been prompt to call you out, Valcour. 
You insulted me by an outrageous comparison, and I felt compelled to challenge you. Fire them. I have nothing to say to you. My conditions cannot wound your honor. Be our judge, Major Bravo. I will abide by your opinion. Perhaps Captain de Montigny will follow my example. He has conducted himself as bravely as possible. If he isn't killed, it isn't his fault. Gentlemen, can de Montigny accept the imposed conditions? Yes, sir. Of course he can. And without staining his honor in the slightest. Captain consents, Falcour. In the future, he will be less prompt to challenge. It is you who speak, Major Provost, and not Captain de Montigny. Will you affirm my words, de Montigny? Very well, sir. I consent. Bravo. Yes, bravo. This is the happiest ending to any duel I have ever witnessed. I am more gratified than anyone. Always ended as I desired. Now, now, Captain de Montigny, I've shown you that before a resolute man, the art of shooting is nothing in a duel. And that, if the chances are equal, a good shot is on the same level as a bad one. Now, I, I did not wish in any case to kill you. Only had a great desire to see how you would look death in the face. You are a man of courage, de Montigny. Accept my compliments. Oh, by the way, uh, neither pistol was loaded. Neither? I will demonstrate. What? This is even more insulting than the first offense. And now you think it's ended, do you? No. No, it must recommence, and this time both pistols shall be loaded if I have to load them myself. No, Captain, I have given you your life. I will not take it back. Insult me if you wish. I will not fight you. And it is me whom you will fight. Why, you, Major, you acted like a scoundrel, Valcour. You deceived Amantini and all of us. If in five minutes your dead body is not lying at my feet, there is no such thing as justice. Well, I don't understand. And if the Major doesn't kill you, I will. Or I. Oh, the devil, I can't fight with you all. Choose one among you and I'll fight with him. Oh, it won't be a duel, but an assassination. I'm sure I couldn't shoot my horse at more than a few paces, let alone a man. Never fear, Valcour. We will do nothing that the most scrupulous honor can complain of. All our officers are insulted, for under their uniform you conducted yourself like a rascal. You've made Captain de Montigny pass through all the sensations of a man condemned to death, while you were perfectly at ease, knowing full well that both pistols were not loaded. Finally, you have refused to fight with the man whom you have doubly insulted. Oh, load the pistols, Major, load them! I will fight with anyone. No, Valcourt, no. You will fight none of your comrades. You have disgraced your uniform. We can no longer serve with you. Rather than make your divisions as known to the Colonel, I ask you to give in your resignation on the cause of bad health. I'll see to it that the surgeon will sign all necessary certificates. Today is the 13th of September. You have from now to the 13th of October to quit the regiment. I will quit it, certainly. Not because it is your desire, but mine. And a curse upon the lot of you. Major. Why did you force me to consent to that scoundrel's conditions? Without you, I should never have accepted them. My comrades and I will take all the responsibility. You've acted nobly, de Montigny. I must tell you that you are indeed a man of honor. Well, there goes one troublemaker. The regiment will be better off without him. Yes. Well, gentlemen, this affair has ended more happily than one could have hoped for. Mademoiselle Bassard will be overjoyed at the glad news, I'm sure. Yes. 
Yes, and I promised to go immediately to her once it had ended. Cannon fire. What could be happening? It must be the signal for the English attack. Quickly, report your battle stations. There's not a moment to be lost. Come along, Captain de Martinier. You don't want to miss any of the fun, do you? Coming, Saint-Pierre. Many years have passed since the tragedy. Years of change and turmoil. Today is the 13th of September, the day that altered the lives of so many persons. Two opposing generals died that day on the plains of Abraham, as did many a brave soldier in their armies. Roll call is long, and I knew many of them. Major Provost, Captain Lebrun, Lieutenant St-Pierre, and others. On that day also, a beautiful young woman watched uh, Lieutenant Valcourt gallop past her window. Since he was alive, she assumed her betrothed had been killed in the duel, and she took poison. But here in the monastery, we found a peaceful refuge. Each year for the past three years now, I have said a special prayer for our devoted brother, who toiled for 30 years within these ancient walls. And when he died, we buried him here under the great elm. Not once during our years of service together in this monastery did Brother Andre remind me of the duel we once fought on that morning that Quebec fell to the invading British army. The Duel by Alexandra Dumas, adapted for radio by Howard Griffin. From our Canadians Abroad segment tonight, we have Alan Young in an episode of Family Theatre from August 16th, 1950. Family Theatre presents Mona Freeman and Alan Young. From Hollywood, the Mutual Network, in cooperation with Family Theater, presents Alan Young in The Lion Tamer. To introduce the drama, your hostess, Mona Freeman. Thank you, Larry Chatterton. Family theater's only purpose is to bring to everyone's attention a practice that must become an important part of our lives if we are to win peace for ourselves, peace for our families, and peace for the world. Family theater urges you to pray. Pray together as a family. Donald Wallington Wright Smith III lives in a very nice but small Middle Western town. 
With such a distinguished name as Donald Wallington Wright Smith III, one might think the lad was at the very top of the social register. But alas, he's only a poor window trimmer in the town's leading and only department store, the Halliday Emporium. Of course, there's always the possibility of his owning the Emporium someday, since he's madly in love with Jeannie, the boss's daughter. But, unfortunately, the odds are against him, since Papa Halliday is neither pleased with the romance, nor with Donald's abilities as a window trimmer, or anything else for that matter. Oblivious of this, however, the biggest problem in Donald's life at the moment seems to be a little thing called money. (laughs) You know, that wonderful green stuff which is supposed to bring us happiness. And what's more, Mr. Halliday? If you don't give me a raise, I'll, I'll quit your old job. Huh. Ah, Mr. Halliday, I have all respect for you, believe me, and this glorious establishment. But you must realize that as Andersonsville's best window trimmer, I have been dependable, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore knowing you cannot do without me, Uh, I fit... Who are you talking to up there? No one, ma'am. Well, get down here. Your breakfast is ready. Uh, I'm coming, Mrs. Peebly. Just practicing my speech. Not the asking for a raise speech again. Yes, ma'am. You've been practicing that speech for months. When are you going to get around to saying it? Today. Maybe. Well, I hope so. It's about time you were paying me some more money. Mm -hmm. You got a nice room and you ain't giving me enough for it. Yes, Miss Peebly. So you'll be sure you ask him. Yes, ma'am. And another thing, Donald. You ain't doing enough work around here for the things I've been doing for you. No, Miss Peebly. So Sunday you figure on mowing the grass. Yes, ma'am. And washing the windows. Yes, ma'am. And don't forget to ask that Halliday for your raise. And what's more, Mr. Halliday, if you don't give me a raise, I'll quit your old... What did you say, Donald? (laughs) Oh, hello, Jeannie. Donald, don't you know any better than to talk with pins in your mouth? Mm. If you swallow one, you can die. Would you be sorry, Jeannie? If you die? Well, of course. We'd have to find another window trimmer. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Dad wants to see you. Me? Yes, you. Oh, gee, what, what, what about? Well, how should I know? But you better run along. You keep Dad waiting and he'll be furious. Oh, all right, Jeannie. Anyway, there's something important I want to ask your father. What? Well, I'm getting tired of being shoved around. I deserve a raise and, and a better job in this store. Besides, you don't want to be married to a window trimmer for the rest of your life, do you? Married to what? Oh, Donald, you aren't proposing to me. Well, I, I thought we were going to... Mm, well, you said you liked me, and I... Mm. <laughs> Didn't you? Yes, Donald, I like you. I think you're very sweet and very cute. But I'm not interested in marrying you. I like a man who talks up and is forward, not one who takes a whole year to ask for a raise. I've got to have a man who's a, a he-man. <laughs> I've got to have a man who's a, a he-man. <laughs> I'll show her. Wait till I get through with that father of hers. 
I won't only have a raise, I'll be one of the, the top executives in, in this store. She's got her nerve, hasn't she? Who does she think she is? I'll show her. Donald, you tiresome idiot. What's this bill? One battleship, $600. What do you think I am, an admiral? Oh, it's just, just a little battleship, sir, for the front window. I thought it'd be nice for flag day. For, for, what are we running now, an army and navy store? Well, maybe you want to pay for this battleship. Oh, no, sir. And while you're here, one more thing. Stop making eyes at my daughter. You look like a lovesick calf. But, sir, I... The nerve of you, a window trimmer, trying to go with the daughter of Jonathan T. Halliday. Now, remember, you'd have nothing to do with my daughter. Is that understood? Yes, sir. All right. Now, take this bill and send that confounded battleship back to the shipyards or navy yards or wherever it came from. Aye, aye, sir. Are you... Yeah. Right, Smith. Before you go, I've got a list of things I want you to do. Yes, Mr. Halliday? Suppose I'll have to write them down for you. You'll never remember. No, sir. Mm. <laughs> Order one roll of wrapping paper. One roll of... Oh, drat this pen. The ink's all out. Well, here, sir. Use my pen. Thanks. Good. At least you're good for something. If it's nothing more than... Right, Smith, look what you've done. I've got ink all over my suit. Well, you look nice and blue. Yes. <laughs> I'm covered with the stuff. She was... I'm sorry, sir. It's supposed to be a good pen. I bought it right here in your store, sir. You're fired. Get out of my sight. I don't even want to see you again. But Mr. Halliday, I didn't do it on purpose. I said you're fired. Now get out and stay out. <laughs> What are you doing home at this hour? Mr. Halliday fired me. What? Well, and how, pray thee tell, will you pay your rent? I don't know, Miss Peebly. I guess I've got to find another job. Well, you'd better, because you can't live here for nothing. But I will give you credit for a while if you clean the house and wash the windows. Yes, Miss Peebly. And keep my shoes shine. Yes, ma'am. And help with the dishes. Yes, Miss Peebly. I guess so. Oh, by the way, a letter came for you today, all the way from Terre Haute. Here. Thank you, Miss Peebly. Well, aren't you going to open it? Maybe later. I'm not interested right now. Well, I am. Mr. Donald Wallington Wrightsmith III, Esquire. Dear Mr. Wrightsmith, this is to inform you that your late uncle, Herman Oliver Wrightsmith, left you his entire estate. Well, for pity's sake. Gosh. Let's read what else it says. If you will go to the address of 15563 Terre Haute Junction, this city, you will receive the fortune left you by your deceased uncle, yours very truly, Anthony May, attorney at law. Gosh! Donald, can't you say anything but gosh? Jiminy Christmas! <laughs> Just think, you'll be rich! You think so, Miss Peebly? Gee, I haven't seen my Uncle Herman since I was eight. I didn't even know he was still living. Well, now he's dead. Oh. He's left you his... Yes, He's left you his entire fortune. Anyways, that's what the letter says. Gee. Oh, dear boy. Here, sit down in this nice, easy chair. After all, you've had a hard day. Now, how would you like me to fix your favorite dish this evening? You mean peanut butter sandwiches, open face? <laughs> of course. 
After all, nothing's too good for my star border. <laughs> oh, dear boy. Haven't I always made you feel that Mrs. Peebley's rooming house is your own home sweet home? <laughs> Five five six three Terra Haute Junction. Must be it. Looks like a funny place to be collecting a fortune. Smells funny too. Well, might as well go in. Oh, uh, pardon me, sir. I'm Donald Wallington Wright Smith III, and I'd like to see Mr. Roberts or Mr. Michaels. Oh, go no further, son. I'm Mr. Michaels. Oh, how do you do? Nice to see you. Oh, it's uh, nice to know you, Donald. We've been anxious for you to get here. <laughs> hey, here comes Roberts. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yes. Uh, Roberts, this is uh, Donald. <laughs> Uh, sawdust makes me sneeze. That's too bad. Uh, Michaels, did you say this is Donald? Yes, that is what I said. Well, my boy, you have arrived at last. <laughs> what a what a blessing. It is? Well, gosh, when do I get my fortune? 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 Yeah. Mr. Myers, he's a lawyer fellow, you know. He, he said my uncle left me a fortune, and I was to get it from either one of you two. Yeah, the lawyer's right, Don. And you're a lucky boy, a very lucky boy. Eh? Well, see, I don't understand. Why are you two dressed like clowns? Because, because we, we are, are clowns. clowns. Well, you are? Gee whiz. Well, you, you see, Donald, this is the winter quarters for the Haley Brothers Circus. You... You mean my uncle left me a circus? <laughs> Shall we show him, Michael? Well, why not, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> well, Donald, this is it. All this? No, no, just these five lions. You... My uncle left me five lions? What's the matter, kid? You, you look kind of sick. Gee, what can I do with five lions? For one thing, you can feed them. They're hungry. Hungry? Oh, oh well, I'll run out and get a couple of cans of dog food. Uh, 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 dog, uh, a couple of cans of dog food? No, you know, you better bring back 500 pounds of meat. 500 pounds? Why, sure, they'll eat at least that for tonight's dinner. You know, a hungry lion is an angry one. Say, you know, I just got an idea, boy, a terrific idea. What's that? Well, now, you could take over your uncle's act. Me? Why not? There's money in it, boy. Lots of it. Oh, it's a sensational idea, Michaels. The kid would be great if it... Me? A lion tamer? <laughs> that, that's funny, you know. No, there's, there's nothing to it. Roberts here will show you. I will? Oh, no, 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 no. No, you show him, Michael. Well, okay, okay, I will. I'll show you, boy, that it's not so dangerous. Uh, excuse me, will you? Sir. Just a minute. Oh, uh, Roberts, Roberts, come over here. What's up, Michael? Now, I, I, don't, I don't want Donald to hear this. Listen, I've got a plan, something we'll do just for laughs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, well I, I'll, I'll take the kid out to the big tent. You get Gus. Gus. And the two of you get in that old lion skin back in the process. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, Mr. Michaels, this, this is real thrilling. Oh, yes, sure it is. And once you're onto it, the circus will get in your blood, lad. You'll never want to leave it. I, I won't. Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here comes Prince now. Prince? Is that his name? Yes, Prince. yes, yes. Now, remember, uh, kid, this is my first time in the cage, so I won't be as good as your uncle was, but uh, you'll get the general idea. I will, yes. But will Prince? Now, <laughs> uh, you lions are meek as kittens. Oh. Just show them who's boss, that's all, and they'll purr for you, purr every time. They purr awful loud, don't they? <laughs> Well, so long, Donald. Now, don't forget to watch everything I do, because when you get in there, remember, you'll have to do the same thing. I'll watch everything, Mr. Michael. Okay, Prince. Down, boy. Down, down. Back, back, back. back. Roberts. Cry out loud. Stop sneezing, will you? That's it, Prince. Now back. 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 Come on, now. Go down. How good you are. Oh, down, you. No more roaring. I'll show you who's boss here. That's it. Back. Back, boy. That's it. Now sit. That's a good boy, Prince. Nice little cat. Meow. Gee, Mr. Michaels, you did it. You did it. You were wonderful, Mr. Michaels. You, you're real terrific. Well, son, you see, it, it wasn't so dangerous. Oh, I wish I could do that. Well, go ahead and try it. Here's the whip, and the cage boy will stand ready with a gun. Do you think I can? Well, I, I showed you that it was absolutely nothing. Just remember to use your whip and, and get him to back away from you, that's all. Back away? Yes, that's right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Michaels, I didn't know lions sneezed. Well, um, uh, this one is almost human. It it's sneezes from the snow dust. I see. <laughs> like Robert, you know, from yes. the snow dust. <laughs> yeah, well, g g give me the whip, Mr. Michaels. Now you're talking, kid. Not a nice prince. Nice little old kitty. <laughs> You'll go back, you know. Hey, hey, you use the whip, kid. <laughs> Down. Nice prince boy. Down. Down, you fool, you. Down. boy, Prince. Look, Mr. Michael. Keep your eye on what you're doing, boy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, Prince. Back. Down. That's it. Nice boy. Back, back. Nice kitty. That's, that's, that's nice. Sit for un Uncle Donald. Sit. That's it. Now, <laughs> just stay there till I get out of here, huh? I tamed a lion. That you did, son. Yeah, I wish certain people could have seen me. Hey, where's Mr. Roberts? Oh, well, he well, um, um, uh, he had to go to see a doctor about his, uh, <clears throat> his uh, sneezing. Oh, too bad he didn't see me. I was good, wasn't I, Mr. Michaels? You were just great. Oh, kid. great, yeah. You know, I think you're right. I think I could, I could be a great lion tamer. Maybe even better than my uncle. Well, go ahead, kid. Take over your uncle's act. I told you it was a sensational idea. <laughs> remember? Sure, I remember. Oh, it's a deal. As of today, I am a member of the Haley Brothers Circus. <laughs> Why isn't my dinner ready? Oh, dear, 
dear boy. I didn't expect you back so soon. I'm not your dear boy. Donald, did you get the money? That's none of your business. <laughs> Donald, you've changed. Now listen to me. I've been paying you too much money for the room I've had in this crummy boarding house. Well, now you listen to me, Donald. I've done a lot of things for you. The only thing you've done for me is nag me. Mow the grass, Donald. Wash the windows, Donald. Do my shopping, Donald. Well, I got news for you. I may owe you money for back rent, but you owe me for washing dishes and mowing grass. And just try to collect. <laughs> I can't understand the change in you. You're like a different boy. A man, Peebly. In fact, I have suddenly become a very brave man. Mr. T. Jonathan Halliday, I've got a couple of things to say to you. First, Jeannie is going to marry me. What? My daughter wouldn't have you if you were the last man alive, you window trimmer, you. Ex-window trimmer, Dad. Remember, you fired me, Dad. Don't call me Dad. And get out of this office. I'm going. I just wanted you to know where you stand, Dad. As future father-in-law, the new lion tamer for the Haley Brothers Circus. The was? You heard me. Goodbye, Daddy-o. <laughs> I've got something important I wish to say. But first, mm, come here. Donald! Donald, don't do that. People are looking. It is nice. Ah, who cares? It was very nice. I think I'll do it again. Oh, Donald! I never thought... Well, that is... Where'd you learn to kiss? I didn't. It's just you. Do you mean that? Sure. Oh. Well, what are you going to do about it? Do? About what, Donald? Us, you and me. I love you, Jeannie. Oh, we went all through that before. Remember? The day you got fired. I can't marry you. You haven't even got a job. Oh, but I have a terrific job. Really, Donald? Yes, I am a lion tamer. What? Oh, oh, Donald, it's impossible. Only very brave men are lion tamers. Oh, oh, Donald, you must be fibbing. I am not. I've joined the Haley Brothers Circus. But, Jeannie, that isn't important right now. What is important is that you're going to marry me. Donald, you've got to show me. Show you what? That you're not afraid to go in a cage with a lion. Then I'll know for sure if you have changed and if you're really the he-man you say you are. And if I prove this little thing to you? Then I'll marry you. In spite of Father, Andersonville, even in spite of the fact I'm not sure having a lion tamer for a husband's better than a window trimmer. I never heard of a trimmer being eaten by a window. Good to be back where a man can be a man. That's the circus life for me. Gotta find Michaels and Roberts and tell them the big news. The genie's gonna marry me and we'll live happily ever after. <laughs> oh, Roberts, roar again. Roar. <laughs> 
I think I was sensational. Huh? <laughs> I think you and Gus and the Lions kid were sensational. <laughs> and what a change in the poor kid. Huh? Uh, uh, back, Prince. Nice boy. Sit. Uh, uh, Mr. Michaels, did you see me? I tamed the lion. Oh, oh, Hello, Mr. Roberts. Don. Mr. Michaels. Don. We we didn't expect you back so soon, kid. I just got back. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Gesundheit, Mr. Michaels. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but I just overheard your conversation. Uh, then you know that... Uh... About the uh, trick we pulled on you? Yeah, yeah. Very good while it lasted. Well, gee, kid, we're... we're sorry. You aren't mad at us, Donald. No, what for? If I look like a big fool, it's... it's not unusual, huh? Well, we didn't mean any harm, Donald. We were only kidding. Yeah, Michaels is right. We didn't think you'd take it so much to heart. Right. Well, I'm afraid I took it too seriously, and I got myself into a pretty bad jam. See, Jeannie and her father are coming down Saturday for the matinee performance to to see me tame a lion. Oh, no. Well, you, well you've got a problem, all right. What's the solution? Oh, sure, kid. Well, just, just take your pick. Let the lions tear you apart, or... Get your heart torn out. Which is it? The lions. to go through with this? No, I don't want to, but I'm going to. I'm not scared, you understand. I just naturally turn green this time of year. <laughs> Jeannie's out there in that audience. I've at least got to put up a battle. Even a losing one. Man, there's one thing I'll say in your favor, kid. you got determination. Thanks. It's almost time for your act. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Uh, is your gun full of blanks? Oh, I got a real one this time. Something tells me I'm gonna need it. What was that? I don't know. Something must have gone wrong. Donald, steadily, it's one of your lions. He broke loose from the runway when they're rushing into the cave. What? Look, he's heading for the crowd. No, no, Jeannie's out there. Donald, where are you going? I've got to save Jeannie. Are you crazy? You'll be killed. Let go of me, Mr. Roberts. Can't be reasonable. You can't do anything. I'm gonna save Jeannie. Donald, come back. You'll be killed. Michael, stop him. Are you kidding? I'm getting out of here. Jeannie be killed. I'll be killed, too. Joe wouldn't be so bad. We could go to heaven together. No, I, I don't think I want to leave yet. Where's my gun? What did I do with that thing? Oh, here it is. Oh, little gun, don't fail me now. I'm too young to die. Oh. There's, there's the lion. Come here, the boy. Yes. Nice lion. Come closer. Oh, not too close. <laughs> Just close enough. Let me shoot you. Oh, I don't feel good. Lift your head a little. Yeah, I can't look. I'm going to close my eyes. One, two, three. What? Donald, my son, you were great. You saved our lives. I did? Donald, I can't believe it. What a guy. Yes, what a brave little guy. Come here, Donald. Gosh, Jeannie. That's not nice. 
People are looking. Oh, who cares? In fact, it was very nice. I think I'll do it again. Oh, Jeannie, where did you learn to kiss? I didn't. It's just you. Oh, well, my boy, may I congratulate you? Congratulate me, sir? That's right, for winning my daughter. Jeannie, you'll marry me? Of course, Donald. And uh, as your future father-in-law, may I welcome you to the Halliday Emporium as vice president. Thank you, sir. I I accept the position. <laughs> that is, if, if it's all right with Jeannie. Oh, whatever you want, Donald. Oh, of course, Mr. Halliday. If you don't give me a raise, I, I might quit your old job. You must realize, as Andersonville's best window trimmer, I have been dependable, reliable... Oh, no. Not another one. Oh. Daddy, the new vice president's faded. Thank you, Alan Young, for your fine performance and family theater's presentation of The Lion Tamer. Thank you for being with us. And remember... The family that prays together stays together. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. From Hollywood, Family Theaters brought you Alan Young in The Lion Tamer with Mona Freeman as your hostess. Others in our cast were Eleanor Audley, Ken Christie, Mary Lee Robb, Jim Backus, and Howard McNear. The Lion Tamer was written by Dale Newton Whitney with music composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman and was directed for Family Theater by J.F. Mansfield. This series of Family Theater broadcasts is made possible by the thousands of you who have felt the need for this type of program, by the mutual network which has responded to this need, and by the hundreds of stars of stage, screen, and radio who have so unselfishly given up their time and talent to appear on our Family Theater stage. To them and to you, our humble thanks. Join us next week at this time when Family Theater will present Maureen O'Sullivan and Otto Kruger in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Join us, won't you? Family Theater is broadcast throughout the world and originates in Hollywood studios of the world's largest network, the Mutual Broadcasting System. Thanks so much for joining me this week. Hope to see you next time. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking. <laughs>